0: nineteen, welcome. Part four of our Saint Christmas Same series. Saint Christmas,
1: yes, yeah, and uh, I think that we promised that we would finally speak about. This is basically
0: uh, like part two of this Mary um,
1: Mary virginity part. Yes. First, we talked about a historical background and yeah. the oldest uh, stories, and now we should. Uh, talk about how Mary became virgin again yeah. through legendary work or work of legends. And uh, first, which comes to my mind and is probably used the m- most often, is uh, the report in Gospel of Luke. First of all, Christmas story from Gospel of Luke is probably regularly read by people in their homes celebrating Christmas in churches as well Mm -hmm. and so on. But this, of course, goes earlier than that. This is before we hear about the census and and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. This is uh, the Annunciation you know uh angel gabriel was sent by god to town in galilee called nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was joseph who was from the family of david the virgin's name was mary and the angel came to her and said greetings favored one the lord be with you but she was greatly perplexed frightened of course uh, by his words He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I haven't had sex with a man, or I haven't come to know man, is Mm -hmm. the literal translation. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come at you, or on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. So this is that uh, mm-hmm. story from Gospel of Luke, mm-hmm. and uh, here we have uh, that virginity present, uh, and we have here also uh, that uh, divine conception. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't it
0: nice that they that they told her all this? They laid it all out. Mm-hmm. instead of just letting it happen and, you know you
1: know what i mean they made it known to her <laughs> yeah but but it's uh, in in legend this is the way it actually oh. to get out all the information let us look at it from the perspective exposition. of uh, yeah it's an exposition <laughs> or you know how else do you want to uh, you you you, uh, you 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 need to find a way to pass the information right. and uh making this clear to reader or listener, uh, it's, it's best to do it through the dialogue. And, mm-hmm. and here you have an expanded dialogue, which is cl- uh, clearly announcing all, all of this. But uh, this uh, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, it, uh, Luke is one of the most Hellenistic writers uh, in the New Testament. He, he is clearly well rooted within the Greek culture. Uh, Hellenistic Greek culture. He is using uh, in the biblical text one of the highest uh, standards of Greek language also. Yeah. And uh, so this story uh, matches uh, closest uh, Hellenistic stories about uh, births of uh, heroes or special people. Yeah. It, it has parallels, we can say, in Hellenistic culture. And, and it follows that uh, quite uh, nicely. So uh, we know that Hercules uh, was considered to be a son of Alcmene, his uh, mother, a uh, human mother, and uh, divine father, Zeus. And interestingly if you say that's uh, a legendary figure yeah you know the, the, the same legends about this divine uh, parentage uh, they are later told about Alexander the Great, for mm. instance, mm-hmm. uh, even though Philip of Macedon was his clear father, uh, you know, and the succession of throne was never questioned. But just looking at his accomplishment and what he did in such a young age, uh, just conquering the, the almost entire known world, all the way from India to, to Greece and all the way from the Scythia, you know, northern shores of uh, Black Sea Mm -hmm. and Crimea, all the way down to Egypt. Uh, Just absolutely amazing empire within very short period of time. Mm -hmm. So people started to wonder that that has to be a divine uh, person. There has to be some divine fingers in it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, of course, there, there, there were legends about him having a human mother and divine father, divine uh, parenthood uh, that way. Uh, Zeus would be again uh, the most uh, natural uh, father for that. So, you know, that was quite well known. uh, Ancient heroes, uh, Greek heroes, uh, many of them, or especially gifted people like poets and Mm. philosophers there existed uh, legends about uh, their mixed parentage, uh, human and divine. Nothing uh, uh, absolutely unusual Mm -hmm. about it. And um, so here the look is kind of matching the similar story with that. And uh, um, interestingly also, uh, in in greek world uh, of course um, most of these uh, stories were about having sex Mm. Uh, zeus uh, would seduce uh, particularly beautiful uh, women for instance and so on and so there was nothing uh, unheard of or unusual about uh, divinities having sex with humans Uh, it was always tricky for human side of that uh, <laughs> uh, because it, it brought with it uh, certain problems mm. in their lives and sometimes even curses. Mm. It was a common thing, mm-hmm. more or less. Uh, so Luke is building up this Hellenistic tradition, uh, quite common and well-known, popular in, in their legends. Uh, And if you look into it closely, that might be also hinted uh, even in in the Gospel of Luke, you know. It's not absolutely clear. It can be, of course, interpreted uh, the other way around. But that there was a sexual intercourse, say, between divine and human Mary uh, can be present there. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mm -hmm. you know, or at you, or Mm -hmm. something like that, would be the translation. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, there is one uh, Septuagint, that's a Greek translation of uh, Hebrew Bible example, where this vocabulary is not used sexually, Mm -hmm. Uh, more like a protection. But you know, if you look at it and the see the context here, um, it can be at least partly seen in this. Mm-hmm. You know, so that there is this hint of uh, liaison mm-hmm. or uh, sexual intercourse between divine and human mm-hmm. here, uh, probably spiritualized, but mm-hmm. present. Mm-hmm. You know, and Hellenistic people would probably uh, recognize it there. So this is one uh, story about uh, virginal conception of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, how uh, Jesus was conceived by human mother and divine father uh, in Gospel of Luke. Uh then there is another one, a legend, about His uh, divine parentage, and that is from the uh, Gospel of Matthew. Also at the beginning of the Gospel, uh, we have different rendition of that uh, account. Uh, now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When His mother Mary and they shall name him Emmanuel. This means God is with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but they did not live together until she had born a son and he named him Jesus. It's so
0: interesting that this is almost like from Joseph's point of view, focusing on the
1: man, the father.
0: Is that is that significant?
1: That 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 might be, uh, but there is also clear difference from the Lucan uh, account. You know, these two accounts are, um, in this area, kind of potentially with some toil, <laughs> able to put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are clear d- discrepancies also. You mm-hmm. mentioned one, uh, here you have Annunciation to Mary, while here it is, uh, all dealing is with Joseph. Okay, So we are learning about all of that from the perspective of Joseph. And that might be one way of talking about it. Okay, Saying Luke does that from the mother's perspective and uh, here Joseph is clearly a stepfather or however you would call it, Mm -hmm. but um, but from the perspective of the male uh, stepfather. Uh, And therefore we have these differences. I don't think so. You you know, we discussed earlier that uh, Luke and Matthew in the broader context of uh, nativity narratives, uh, that these two accounts are completely incompatible. Mm. You know, you cannot combine them because they are proceeding and finding the way of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, if you remember from, uh, I think, whichever episode it was, like two episodes back, uh, that uh, Matthew has completely different uh, sequence there, mm-hmm. you know, how they found their way into Bethlehem. Uh, actually, in Matthew, they are there, that's their home, and then they escape from there and return somewhere else. While uh, in Luke, it is uh, like we heard uh, that the angel uh, of God was sent to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. That's their home. So they are going down because of the census. Uh, mm-hmm. There uh, Jesus is born and then they return to their home. Back. Okay, so that's those two incompatible stories and over here it can be combined somehow, mm-hmm. as I said, with some endeavour. But frankly, I don't think so. Those are again, uh, even here, independent. One is more from Hellenistic background, that was Luke, as we saw. Closest parallels are in, in births of uh, Greek heroes. While in Matthew, that's uh, set uh, a, in a background or in an environment of a Jewish tradition that's more based upon Jewish tradition. And oh. we also hear the quotation from prophet that all of this happened to fulfill yeah. the uh, words of prophet about the virginal birth.
0: And they, and they lay out the entire quote from the prophet.
1: Yes, they have the uh, quotation from prophet Isaiah uh, here. And uh, that is also why this virginal birth is uh, becoming so dominant uh, here. And I think that that might also, this Jewish background, might influence even Luke. Mm. But Luke decided to narrate that more from the perspective of Hellenistic uh, world. Uh, but, returning back to, to Matthew, uh, Matthew he is uh, quoting prophet Isaiah, but uh, I would say he is actually misquoting prophet Isaiah. Uh, Because when you go to Prophet Isaiah chapter 7, of course there is something like that, uh, depending on the Hmm. translation. uh, In uh, uh, Isaiah 7 verse 14, a look, we can say a virgin or young woman is pregnant and shall bear a son, and you shall call him Emmanuel. Uh, but there is a problem with uh, how to translate that which is normally and Matthew is translating as virgin, mm. uh, and we'll return to it, okay, uh, eventually. But uh, first, we need to see the broader context of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah is not here giving a prophecy uh, which will happen hundreds of years later. But uh, the setting of that Isaiah pronouncement is quite clear from within the context of that chapter. Mm. So there is a Judean king in Jerusalem who is being threatened by his neighboring um, also Israelite kingdom of Samaria. Israel kingdom, northern kingdom, you know there are two kingdoms now divided. Uh, Judean kingdom is with the capital in Jerusalem, northern kingdom with its capital in Samaria And so this Northern Kingdom, much larger, stronger, richer, uh, is threatening uh, Jerusalem. And not only that, this Northern Kingdom is aligned and uh, pursuing this uh, threat together with Syrian, Damascus Kingdom. Mm. So these two kings from Damascus and from Samaria are threatening the king in Jerusalem. And Prophet Isaiah is coming to the king of Jerusalem and is saying, do not be worried about it. You, the Jerusalem might be besieged, uh, you are threatened uh, seriously, uh, but the Lord will take care of this. Mm. And he does not want to hear it. He is desperate. And so Isaiah is coming to him again. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, that's the king, uh, saying, ask a sign of the Lord your God. That's through Isaiah, okay? Uh, Let it be deep as Sheol, that's uh, netherworld, uh, "or, or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. He is actually quite orthodox, because that is what we hear that is appropriate, Mm -hmm. not testing God by Mm -hmm. asking for signs. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, that's talking to the king, uh, Is it too little for you to vary mortals? Did you vary my God also. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And now comes this. Look, the young woman is pregnant and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse evil and choose uh, the good. For before the child knows how to refuse evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted.
0: Hmm.
1: So he is saying there is a sign of hope. That sign of hope is a young lady bearing a son in your uh, your court, in, in your household. And before this child is, I don't know how old, you know, a few, few years old, uh, all the danger you are seeing coming from Samaria and Damascus will be passed. The, there'll be no more. There'll be no uh, shortages because uh, that your son mm. will uh, have uh, curds and honey you know, exquisite, uh, delicate seas, uh, mm. you know, for food. There'll be no shortages. Uh, Jerusalem will not be besieged. Uh, there'll be no shortages. There'll be enough for everyone and, and you'll live in, in security. So, uh, this is the background. So, it is not a prophecy about, uh, you know, hundreds of years later. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, like a prophecy or omen or divine sign, which is right now happening almost. Mm, mm -hmm. Okay, and so uh, this is the context. And uh, so you see immediately that this is not a prophecy of that kind, like it is being presented throughout the Christian theology or most uh, in medieval times, okay. Modern theologians, of course, know about this, and they would never interpret that, that this way, ever. Uh, But the other part of that is also uh, the Hebrew term or Semitic term for that young woman or uh, what is later translated as virgin is Alma. And uh, in Greek, in Septuagint, which I mentioned, uh, ancient Greek translation, it was translated as Parthenos, which means virgin so clearly matthew and early church read their uh old testament hebrew bible actually in greek translation it Mm -hmm. clearly tells you they did not know about uh, hebrew because (laughs) if they read that in hebrew they would know that that is not talking about virgin (laughs) virgin virgin but more about like an young court lady Mm. You know, it's not even clear whether it was the main wife of king or one of his side wives. Mm. That would be more appropriate, maybe. Yeah. You know, or maybe uh, like that would be his first uh, first wife before she actually bears a son. Mm. That would be probably the, the closest terminology for that. Uh, Alma would carry that uh, in other uh, ancient Near Eastern texts that was associated with the higher ranking uh, terminology, simply uh, something like with uh, goddesses and then with uh, court ladies of higher oh. stature mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. Uh, and. Uh, Interestingly, almost identical, almost word for word, uh, omen or Oracle, is recorded in Ugaritic literature, mm. which is like thousand years before this, you know, or yeah. uh, it's like the twelfth century before Common Era. So it is centuries before Isaiah. Yeah. And 1,200 years uh, before New Testament. And it is part of a clay tablet written in cuneiform text. Uh, it is uh, uh, like a mythical liturgical tablet. Uh, it's about a wedding of Nikal and Ib, or it's sometimes called uh, about Nikal and uh, Kosharat. Uh, And it was uh, probably an Hurrian myth translated into Semitic language, Ugaritic. And it was poetry recited. We are guessing that it was a poetry recited during weddings. Uh, it contain number of wedding uh, and conception uh, of a child and the child-bearing uh, hints in, in the text. So uh, there is a long section dedicated uh, about, uh, the, to the purchase of a bride, a dowry. Uh, then later part is about these uh, kosherat who are like goddesses of childbearing or something like a divine midwives. We have hints of it in Exodus with those two midwives in, in Egypt. Uh, but here they are numbered like seven. Mm. Uh, these uh, divine midwives and uh, they have... Uh, these are lovely names so uh, one is uh, dowry uh, another is wedding gift and next is passionate or passion of love mm. next is uh, first bearing or room opener <laughs> next one is first cry mm. next one is always fertile I'm translating their names, okay? Mm -hmm. And the most, the last one, the seventh is uh, most beautiful goodness Mm. is her name. Uh, And so here you have these uh, midwife uh, helpers, divine, or with these kind of very appropriate names, Mm -hmm. you know, when you follow, uh, they are sometimes called uh, goddesses of uh, female sexuality or mm-hmm. reproduction so in in this context uh, we have uh, this did uh, this promise behold uh, young lady or damsel uh, will conceive and bear son you know the text is partly broken around uh, but it is relatively early uh, while they are starting to uh, negotiate uh, that uh, bride purchase mm-hmm. so it is almost like an, uh promise here and it's also that almost like an oracle of good omen for for that future uh, uh, future marriage mm-hmm. here uh, but uh, Uh, behold damsel will conceive and bear some her furrows long for his arm her moist lips for his body Hmm. Uh, and and you have here you, you know that kind of uh euphemisms clearly yeah. used uh, uh, for uh, for the sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, that text is somehow broken. So the, the exact uh, spelling of that mm, part of the myth, it's not that clear. Yeah. But here you have w- almost word for word what Isaiah has there. Wow. And it's not necessarily virginal birth. Yeah, you know, it's just a uh, good omen, a good oracle of of fortune, of yeah. childbearing, uh, yeah. and, and and a sign of propagation and keeping of family lineage. Yeah, you know, family line, and um, so that's uh, that's what is there in uh, in a Gerytik text centuries later in Isaiah. And then what is there misquoted, I would say. How many, uh, and how many
0: years know. later is that misquoted, Isaiah? Uh,
1: that Isaiah, uh, it's, it's difficult to say, but uh, definitely centuries later, um. you, you know. And uh, um. uh, I, Isaiah wrote uh, Alma there. Which means uh, simply to that that's that omen made to King Ahas, okay uh, that look <laughs> you are going to be father, yeah, and by the time your son is born and grows up uh, so that he starts feeding himself, let us put it that way uh, all those who are threatening you will be past history. Mm-hmm because they'll be destroyed by a syrian kingdom mm. you know it's not that specific i'm now kind of from our uh yes. perspective of yes. knowledge of the history yes. uh, kind of uh, saying it so it's a prophecy of a different kind mm-hmm. and much much earlier you know uh, than, than than this, uh, which it is in, in Matthew. So uh, in, uh, in Luke you have the Hellenistic background. in Matthew you have misquoted uh, Hebrew or the through Greek uh, misquoted, yeah. uh, but mostly from the Jewish background coming and and uh, I, I would say these are again mutually incompatible. yeah they are more like a parables. Yeah. For early church, it really mattered that the uh, old prophecies or what they understood as old prophecies are fulfilled. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. I mean,
0: so you're telling me that, that this prophecy was basically on their mind still.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. From, from over a thousand years ago. They, they, they saw it, no, not a thousand. It'll be like uh, hundreds of years ago. Okay. Yeah, you, you know, but uh, they, because they did not understand that or they were, Pulling it from the context, they were just quoting one verse, right? Uh, and and it, pulling it out and saying, uh, you, you, you know, this good omen of birth of son. Yeah. To and what I translated as damsel, but uh, was mistranslated as virgin in ancient Greek translation. Uh, that this was still unfulfilled and waited for fulfillment in Jesus, yeah. in Mary and Jesus, and yeah. with Joseph as an, um, you, you know, helper around, mm-hmm. you know, uh, contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is uh, that is their way, you know. And here we see that you know, early church quotations of Hebrew Bible they're to a large extent problematic, Hmm. you know, and here is one example. They did not bother studying it in original, they were using translations and that's problematic by itself, because every translation is interpretation and then they were pulling it from the context they did not pay attention to what kind of context the, that had in isaiah mm-hmm. and they easily applied that into centuries later situation mm-hmm. and and created their own omen you can say but wait a moment in ugarit it was a good omen in um Uh, In Isaiah it was good omen, in New Testament it is good omen. So what's the problem? Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is that, I I don't have a problem with it, (laughs) when you put it this way. The problem is uh, that this New Testament omen was made into an absolute Mm. and the final. And that is unfair to this good omen. I, I think that this good omen of birth of a child should be should be then perpetuated mm. and every child should be welcomed mm. as a good omen or be viewed as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or definitely not stopping this uh this tradition with Jesus. Mm. That's unfair to all those children born afterwards. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, I I would challenge us uh, then mm-hmm. that the spiritualists. We always try towards the end uh, to to kind of partly see it and what is there for us today. Mm-hmm. So I would say for us today is to gently demythologize this virginal birth of Jesus. See it within this broader context. That's one thing, and while doing it, recognize. That we can demythologize or de-absolutize, de-absolutize. I love that. Uh, uh, if it's not
0: a word, it should be.
1: Yeah. This uh, Christmas narrative, say. Mm. Okay. And re-mythologize our own lives. Seeing
0: wow. It, De-mytho- de-mythologize that stuff, but re-mythologize Our,
1: our lives. lives allies or seeing the with an open mind uh, children around us as part of this fulfillment Mm -hmm. and and for me it is uh, very very uh, strong with our uh, climate change and environmental worries Mm -hmm. that our children or grandchildren and now I have a grandchild uh, that we think of them like that and they are good omens to us but in order to be good omens we we need to fit within that also (laughs) you you know to to allow them to 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 have lives Mm -hmm. so that we are not exhausting resources and everything just on ourselves not leaving anything for them yeah. and and being responsible parents and grandparents and so i think that that would be uh, my one of the, the aspects of reading of this story yeah
0: but when you say mary became a virgin again yes you're meaning that that she in the in when this myth Got redone
1: mm-hmm. afterwards,
0: mm-hmm. or uh, that's oh. when she was placed into. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The the independently Luke and Matthew, independent yeah. to some degree, independently simply made her into virgin. Yeah. For these reasons, which we discussed, right, right, you know, right. in 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 Gospel of Luke, it is to show uniqueness of Jesus. Yeah. That he is definitely matching all the Hellenistic heroes. Yeah including Alexander the great and yeah. Hercules and uh, yeah. y- you know all those uh, big heroes of their times and in Matthew that it is uh, to fulfill the prophecies yeah. as misquoted as fair but yeah. in their mind it was fulfilling the prophecies right. and so that's mm-hmm. the reason they they wanted to uh, to put this uh, legend about the miraculous birth of Jesus there. Yeah. They did that differently as we saw. Yeah, uh, Like they found different ways to Bethlehem for yeah. Jesus. So here they found different ways to virginal birth, you know, or yeah. unique birth. And uh, we can talk more about uh, this uh, obsession about virginity Uh, Next time... I'm smelling a part three on virginity.
0: Part three on virginity,
1: (laughs) and it'll be our, like, fifth on on Christmas. Wonderful. It'll be mostly post-biblical or post-New Testament. Uh, We mentioned that, I think, in the last section, when we talked about that uh, proto-evangelion or Mm. proto-evangelium. Depending how you uh, pronounce it, Proto Mangalian of James. So we'll be talking about that. Yes. Next Something
0: time. to look forward to. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. See you next time.